Hello there, and welcome to The Month in VC, our regular podcast on all things African venture capital. Each month, we catch you up on all the latest funds and investments news, introduce you to investors, and discuss key themes and trends from the industry. We do that alongside key partners who lend their expertise to help us better understand the growing African venture capital space. Many thanks to Catapult Africa, Kalon Venture Partners, Halayasani Capital, and ARM Labs Lagos Techstars Accelerator for making this series possible. We hope you enjoy this latest episode. And as ever, if you have any suggestions for topics or want to get involved yourself, please don't hesitate to reach out. For now, let's catch up on all the latest funding news from the last month. The last few episodes of this podcast series will have been fairly dismal listening if you're a startup founder that plans to, or indeed needs to, raise funding this year or next. All the news has been around serious drop-offs in funding figures as compared to 2022. And our partner investors have been cautioning entrepreneurs to proceed cautiously, given the global capital scarcity. There were signs of lights in May, however, as a few major investment rounds lifted the general doom and gloom. Leading the way was an old stalwart of Africa's tech sector, Kenya's Nkopa, which raised $250 million in debt and equity funding to expand its financial services offering to underbanked consumers across sub-Saharan Africa. MCOPA, which provides solar home systems and other products to rural consumers on credit, now has over 3 million customers and is providing over $1 billion in cumulative financing for underbanked customers around Africa. A big round in South Africa too, where digital banking group Time raised almost $78 million from Norskan 22 and Blue Earth Capital as part of its pre-Series C capital raise. This comes as the group's South African flagship Time Bank celebrated its 7 millionth customer milestone in May. South Africa also saw rounds for e-health startup Curo Medical, cybersecurity company Port 443, student housing platform DixConnect, and edtech startup Playsense. Cash also started flowing in Nigeria, where B2B e-commerce startup Sabi raised $38 million in Series B funding at a valuation of $300 million. Meanwhile, payment startup Number raised a $30 million pre-Series B round, and cold chain technology startup Figor banked $1.5 million. Egypt also received a boost, with rounds for fintech startup Ballad and autotech platform Helpu, while a more positive month of funding news was rounded out by investments for Senegalese logistics service Cradle, Kenyan investec platform Raise, Moroccan B2B e-commerce startup Chari, and Tunisian e-commerce startup Dressed. A couple of West African startups also secured capital after being accepted into two Techstars Accelerator programs in the US. Nigerian fintech StoresPay is taking part in the New York-based edition of the renowned Accelerator, and Ghanaian insurtech platform Broly was selected for the Tulsa program. And speaking of tech stars, In each episode of The Month in VC, we focus on one individual Africa-focused investor, learning about their background, their company, and their investment ethos. This month, we caught up with Oyin Shalebo from the ARM Labs Lagos Techstars Accelerator. Techstars is a global investment business that provides access to capital, one-on-one mentorship, and customized programming for early-stage entrepreneurs. Techstars last year partnered ARM Labs, a Lagos-based innovation program focused on helping fintech startups, and the inaugural cohort of the ARM Labs Lagos Techstars Accelerator graduated in March. Each selected startup banks up to $120,000 in equity funding, as well as access to training and a vast investor network. Applications for the second edition are already open. Oyin runs that program from Lagos. 
Though of Nigerian descent, she is in fact London-born and bred and completed her MBA at the London School of Economics. I then started my career at Goldman Sachs in London again, where I focused on family offices. So I was investing in cross-asset class portfolios for family offices across Europe, Middle East and Africa. Um, Although I say Africa, but it really just meant South Africa. Um, After about four years of that, I left the corporate world saying I want to be an entrepreneur, but with no idea of what I actually wanted to do. Um, So after about a year of, of dabbling in a few businesses, went back to the corporate world and I joined a strategy consulting firm called Roland Berger. And with them, I helped them set up their Africa practice. So I was based in Nigeria um, and that was my first time really working in Nigeria. Beyond that, or before that, I had just been back for holidays and Christmases and weddings, etc. So that was really my first opportunity to work on the ground. She then returned to the UK and went back into family office management with some colleagues from Goldman Sachs, before then going back into entrepreneurship. Who became my co-founder for about a decade. We launched various businesses um, and the last one that we launched, which is still going on today, is called Move Me Back. And that's a global members community that connects the world to investments and jobs and entrepreneurship opportunities and programs. Um, and that's still going. Um, but I left that uh, towards the end of last year, around October, to start this new role as the managing director for the ARM Labs Lagos Techstars Accelerator. So I'm now based in Lagos running that program. Techstars is the largest pre-seed investor in the world, founded back in 2006 with three simple ideas. One, that entrepreneurs create a better future for everyone. Two, that collaboration drives innovation. And three, that great ideas can come from anywhere in the world. So it's very fitting that we now have a program in Africa. Um, Our mission is ultimately to enable everyone in the world to contribute to and to benefit from entrepreneurs' success. And the way that we do this is by running accelerator programs through our venture capital funds and also by connecting startups and investors and corporates and cities to build thriving startup ecosystems. The firm has so far accelerated more than 3,500 startups across 54 programmes, but Oyens is the only African one so far. Our last programme was focused on fintech and prop tech. Well, at least that's what we said. Um, and the reason we said that was uh, because our partner ARM has verticals in real estate and investing in pensions. Um, But we actually ended up investing in a compliance tech, a health tech, a data tech, and then two prop techs and seven more traditional fintechs. For the next program, we are expanding that thesis. So we are sector agnostic, interested in companies that are operating anywhere in Africa. Um, But we're really interested in companies that are using using tech, data and intelligence across fintech, e-commerce, mobility tech and talent tech, so edtech and HR tech. But again, sector agnostic, so we will look at any company that's doing awesome things. The next edition of the programme is planning on being even more pan-African, with the team travelling across Africa to identify startups to take part. Both Techstars and ARM take stakes in the selected startups, with companies benefiting from having a corporate so heavily involved. So beyond capital, ARM get involved in other ways. So I think the first way they get involved is really as a thought partner. So I have a a partner liaison who works at ARM. Um, He's the head of digital innovation there. His name is Ina. Um, And I work very closely with him as a thought partner to 
you know, talk about our investment thesis and talk about certain startups and collaborate on what the startup needs and who we can connect them with outside of the Techstars community. They also provide mentorship, so um, individuals within uh, within ARM, which includes their CEO, their deputy CEO, and then the heads of their various uh, business units, all participate as mentors. And in addition to that, they also connect us with mentors outside of their network for um, for additional mentors for the program. And then the third way they get involved is through follow-on investments. So they have just launched a new investment club with their high net worth individuals, and that's providing the potential for our startups to get follow-on capital from um, HNIs within the ARM network. There are multiple benefits to taking part in a Techstars program, from funding to the program to the community. One aspect of that community is more important than others, Oyin says. Part of the community, and I think one of the most important parts of the community, is their fellow founders. It's the fact that they spend three months together being completely vulnerable, sharing their business challenges and opportunities with founders that are at the same stage of business as they are. And those founders, founder relationships continue to exist beyond the program. Given some of the negative news we've heard about investment these last few months, we asked Oyen whether she was still bullish on the future of African tech, especially as a relatively new entrant to the scene. I'm, I'm biased, obviously, so I still think it's super exciting. You know, I think we are we are in a challenging time. There has been this global reset and valuations have come down and investors are definitely being a lot more cautious and they're doing a lot more due diligence. But I think it's still super exciting. You know, yes, venture, if you look at venture uh, capital going into Africa, if you look at both equity and debt, it is increasing year on year, um, but it's still tiny. We're still getting just about a percent of global funding. Um, so I I believe we are still scratching the surface and I believe that it is still an emerging frontier. Um, and there are a number of reasons for that. If you just take the demographics alone, we've got a population that's set to double by 2050. We've got this demographic dividend, this youth population, which is going to be 40% of global youth by 2030. And although it's really small, we've still got this emerging middle class, which has tripled in size over the last 30 years. So the demographics all point in the right direction, I think, for, for the African tech space. Uh, then we've got tech adoption, which is growing faster in Africa than anywhere else in the world. We've got internet penetration, which has doubled in the last five years and smartphone adoption, which is expected to increase and, and reach, you know, 87 or 90% by 2030. So again, makes it really exciting for the tech space. Um, talent, you know, aligned to the fact that we've got this youth dividend. We've just got such a, a great pool of potential talent for more innovation. And I'm, I'm biased again, but I genuinely believe that Nigeria in particular brings out the best entrepreneurs in the world. I think when you combine the problems that we have to solve on a day-to-day -day basis just by being there, being being in Africa, in Nigeria, uh, plus the fact that we have a real respect for education and you have a lot of self-taught engineers and technology adoption is fast among the youth, there's just a huge potential among the talents. Um, I think, you know, we're going to talk about female participation and female participation on entrepreneurship is higher in sub-Saharan Africa than it is in the rest of the world. And when you look at things like the lack of financial inclusion and the lack of quality education and the fact that 
climate change is affecting Africa more than anyone anywhere else in the world. I think when you put all of this together, it makes the African tech space still incredibly exciting. A positive note on which to end there, and we wish the ARM Labs Lagos Techstars Accelerator team all the best as they embark on their African tour to source startups for their next programme. Which brings us nicely to our next topic, the art of portfolio building. We caught up with three other investors to find out how they go about putting their portfolios together. Key to building a strong portfolio is having a clear investment thesis, says Philip Gassatura of Catapult Africa. It allows for not just for funds, but also for different portfolios, managers of different asset classes. It's it's your, your investment thesis or strategy is your why. Uh, I like what um, one of the old um, American presidents, uh, Abraham Lincoln, said. He said a compass will tell you that this the north is that direction. What it won't tell you is between here and where you want to get to. There are going to be rivers and um, valleys and mountains to climb. You're going to navigate them, but your north has to remain. So in the same way for um, fund managers, having that investment thesis or strategy is saying, this is what we are about. We may build and bond between different uh, portfolio companies and there'll be challenges, but knowing exactly what you set out to do, that is from when the time you get in, how you support your company through the growth and also in exit, but also risk management, because in that construction, you are really a managing risk, not just at the portfolio company level, but also country exposure, your currency exposure. So there's quite a bit that you're managing and building that um, uh, in building that portfolio. Brett Kamal of Halayasani Capital agrees with Philip on the importance of a thesis. Particularly when you've got a venture capital fund, it's critical. You can be broad in many aspects, but you really, to be able to add value, you really do need some commonality between your businesses, whether that is the stage and you focus on a certain stage of business or you focus on a certain sector or you focus on a certain kind of entrepreneur. There are many things that you can use as the the key part of your thesis, but that's the thing that allows you to be efficient from your team perspective because you build your team to deliver value around that thesis. You build a track record around that thesis and you're evaluated against that thesis. So if your fund is too broad and really goes all over the place, there's a good chance that you end up struggling to add the right sort of value to each of the businesses um, and to be efficient from what is typically a very small venture capital team. There are some general expectations many VCs have, especially those in more developed markets when it comes to how their portfolio is going to shape up. One huge success story that returns the fund, a handful do pretty well, a handful perform averagely and a handful fail. But Philip says it's important not to think that way from the beginning. Well, I certainly subscribe to every investment that you um, invest in is a potential exit and how can we best support them to get there? Because portfolio companies say on the continent are rather different than those say in Europe and the uh, US where the ecosystems are much more mature. Here there's a bit more that we need to do to be able to see them um, get, to the, get to the end because you also want the entrepreneur themselves to benefit just as much as you do as well. Brett also pleads caution when it comes to these types of expectations. 
We're certainly not on the American side of, you know, uh, you have one uh, one business that returns or one investment that returns a hundred times and, you know, the other seven fail completely and you have two or three walking dead. I think um, because the, the American uh, liquid markets are far more liquid, the multiples that you get are really uh, potentially far higher. So we need to have a slightly more balanced approach. So um, we don't have, we, uh, certainly in the stage that we invest in, we, we don't have uh, that many failures. Failures are possible, but, uh, but far less likely. Um, we do have more businesses that are likely to perform at an average level, you know, and, and actually just be a, a decent business or potentially even lose a small amount of uh, uh, value. But the bulk of our businesses gain value. The question is, um, you know, can we find uh, two or three that really perform well? And in our view, performing well can be, you know, 10 times money back or more. That's that's the, the key that we'd like to do. And depending on which one uh, of the investments it is, so the larger that investment um, that can return, you know, five or, or 10 times money, the more likely it is that you could end up paying back your fund. From, from one investment. So um, getting your, your success metrics right in a fund is really key for, for both your investors and your fund manager to do well from that fund. Clive Butko of Kalon Venture Partners is in agreement that Africa-focused VC firms don't have the luxury of assuming one or two companies are going to return the fund. We would, uh, yes, one or two, if you can get two home runs and get 100 uh, times return on capital, that would be more than enough in giving our, our investors their 30 to 38% IRR. But typically, we don't want A2 to uh, fail and 2 to succeed. We want to at least get to second, third, fourth base on most of the companies where we can return a two, three, four times return on capital and at least two of them having a, an absolute blight, which is, uh, which is 100 times return on capital. So that's how we look at it as a, from a Kalon perspective, looking for two really, really um, uh, blowouts and um, you know, home runs and the others hopefully just a return on capital with hopefully none of them or one, or one of them at most not actually surviving. That said then, what are the key things a VC is looking for when it comes to investing? Philip says there are three of them. There's three things. So it's team. Um, you're looking at the founding team, how well they know that industry, how well they know themselves. Um, are they the team that you uh, believe can get you to get themselves to a Series A? But also beyond that, when is the potential market? Is there a potential market outside their home markets? Because what you can find is a lot of Startups that are invested in early stage uh, will most likely stay in their home markets. And so the larger the market, the better, which is why you see a lot of VC going to uh, the large uh, big four. But not, that's not to say that they're not great ideas outside the big four. It's just the market size and the ability to communicate and understand the market beyond their home market into a, a regional market that they can access. Uh, the third one that we look at is the impact uh, potential. Um, What's this in terms of uh, job creation or in terms of uh, those who have been helped as a result of this uh, startup being um, being invested in? So those three factors I'll look at, the team potential, the impact potential as well. Brett says Halayasani looks for startups that are solving for a real need in a large potential market, but agrees team is crucial. This is a market that needs to... Um, Grow, you know, and if you don't have it domestically, it needs to be um, a problem that is experienced by uh, multiple markets. You then need to have a 
you know, we look at the, the, the solution and make sure that it is a scalable solution for each of these markets um, and that it can go beyond the borders of, of just South Africa or, or whichever um, starter market that is. Um, we obviously want to see a really solid business model, which means you need to make money from addressing that need and you need to demonstrate how you can make money. So there needs to be a margin um, and and what that uh, looks like as a business you know, when you're moving into these different markets is critical for us. Um, and the most important part of all of this is the team and actually understanding who's going to be uh, putting this entire business model into play. Um, and we're looking for the exceptional. Uh, building businesses is incredibly difficult. So we look for people who are, you know, experienced, who are resilient, who are tough, um, and who just have that something extra that gives us the confidence to know that uh, through all the setbacks, they're going to keep pushing and they're going to build something and it's it's worth, you know, prov providing the money that the investors have entrusted us with to support their vision and plan. How does a VC go about spreading risk? We take a portfolio approach as an investment uh, fund manager, which means that we don't put too much of any one fund, uh, uh, any fund into one investment. So we've got, um, we've actually got limits on how much uh, we can do. And then we also like to spread things in terms of, you know, the kind of investments uh, we do. Um, that may be within a couple of uh, different sectors or, or um, within the businesses, making sure that we're not overly exposed just within mar one market. You know, typically the businesses need to be growing into international markets. So we like to get variation um, and also it forms, you know, risk mitigation. So, you know, if a business starts in South Africa but ends up earning money in dollars, that for us is also about how we spread the risk so that, uh, you know, if there is a challenge in just one market, it doesn't uh, have a, an outsized or disproportionate effect on your portfolio. And then we also uh, invest uh, very often on a milestone approach, which means you know, we provide an amount of funds to reach a certain milestone or a certain goal, whether that is revenue or new market or product. And, you know, then we provide the next amount of funding because that just means and gives us the ability to, if something is uh, is failing or is completely missing, that we can press pause um, and address it and that we still have funds to be able to, you know, support the company um, in looking at a new market that we don't use up everything uh, on something that may not be the right uh, the right approach. Clive says Kalon also follows the portfolio theory as well as getting its hands dirty. We look at the portfolio theory, so we'll have some early stage, we'll have some late stage, and some in the just going into the growth stage, and that's how we manage the risk accordingly. We do want, obviously it's high risk the earlier you go in, but that's where we really roll up our sleeves and help the teams get to the scale up, and we minimize that risk. So another part of our risk mitigation is really we are seeing ourselves as the entrepreneurs behind entrepreneurs. We are operators, we've built many, many tech companies, and that's how we do actually uh, preserve our risk or spread the risk, is that we get involved and we help these companies actually scale with our networks, with mentorship, with capital, with uh, relationships, et cetera, et cetera. Is it important for a VC firm's portfolio startups to be able to collaborate? I think mean, that would be the ideal. It would be a great evaluation of one plus one equals three or four. Uh, but that's not always easy. Uh, again, you you are an early stage investor. You would like to allow the founders to find uh, their feet, but also you are 
they may have, may have different ethos, but you do present the opportunity, but you're not going to force it upon them. But that, I think, creates a lot of value when some of your portfolio are able to collaborate. We have seen that in our portfolio um, in terms of some companies coming out of Nigeria, collaborating with some in, uh, in Zambia as well as in, uh, in Kenya. And that's always great because that, uh, to me, is a one plus one equals three value, uh, value creation. Clive agrees. It's certainly something to aspire to. I think that's great. You know, we, I think it's very important if you look at Y Combinator, how many of the Y Combinator companies do business with each other. And that's actually helped them scale to a certain amount before they actually go to external clients. So we see it's very important that our companies can collaborate. And in the Kano portfolio, we, we do see a lot of collaboration where each, each company is actually buying from each other and helps us uh, scale that business a, a lot quicker. Some key advice there then on how to build out a winning portfolio while also mitigating your risk, something which is central to a VC's goal of being able to deliver a return on your investment to their LPs. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Month in VC, brought to you by Disrupt Africa in partnership with Catapult Africa, Kalon Venture Partners, Halayasani Capital and ARM Labs Lagos Textiles Accelerator. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.